When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 81. And, and as always, if you want to listen to this one as well as your, our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Feel free to leave us a review there. You can also listen to each episode on our website, blackwhitereddallover.com. So... As I try and collect my thoughts after an absolutely wild day of Juventus football, I will bring in the crew here of Sam Lopresi. Hello, Sam. Did something happen? Did something exciting happen today, Danny? No, boring, boring Italian football. Yeah, yeah. Boring yeah. one nothing games. That's a, that, that's that's what I thought. That's right. A man who loves exciting football, Chucks. Hello, Chucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, good to see you guys. Um, well, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. So, uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's kick it. A, a scoreline that is very much from your native Holland, correct? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said before uh, we started recording, it was more of a Premier League level chaos. <laughs> if that's even a coherent phrase, but uh, yeah, and also, I mean, in Holland, you know, we like to score, so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something. Last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. Cheer than I thought I would be, so that's always positive. <laughs> Yes, we are. We're definitely in a lot better mood after 90 full minutes than we were after, oh, I don't know, about 55 minutes since we are recording about four hours after Juventus's wild, wild, wild 4-3 win 
over Roma in the Italian capital. So I will throw it back to Sergio, your takeaway from the week that was assuming that it has something to do with what we just watched. Yeah, I cannot figure this team out. That That's my main takeaway. This, this seemed... You know, we've talked about it a lot that this is a make or break January, pretty much the, the entire hopes of, of the rest of the domestic season, at least really hangs on the balance of whatever happens this month. And they come out flat against Napoli. It's a same old, same old type of game. They can't beat a, a super underhanded Napoli squad. Then they go down 3-1 against Roma. And you think this team is cooked. This team is ready to roll over and die. Like, I mean, it really looked like it. Then you have Federico Chiesa, who I'm sure we'll talk about later, out injured. And and you're just thinking, okay, I even, I think I tweeted, just blow it the hell up, make the conference leak or whatever. And let's just move on. Like, it, it is what it is. And then we get arguably the best offensive 10 minutes of the year. Out of nowhere, they come back, they get an amazing result. Every time I think this team is dead, they 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 bring you back in. They somehow do something that make you believe in them again. And I'm just I'm just done trying to figure them out. I, I, this is who they're going to be for better or for worse. It is what it is. That that's that's my biggest takeaway of, of the week. To quote Sergio's Twitter timeline: "Call the season, make the conference league or whatever the, and blow it the hell up." Yes, I, I stand by that take up until the 17th minute or whatever when, when this whole thing started. Chuck's your takeaway. Yeah, that's quite something to follow up from. Um, <laughs> mine is, seems like two points. It was really kind of two sides of the same coin. And I've slightly, I'm kind of repeating myself, I guess, from last week, but I think it's a point that needs to be reemphasized. Um, I'm really kind of losing my faith uh, more and more in uh, Rodrigo Bentancur. I think he's just, you know, I don't know. His performances just aren't aren't quite convincing me. Um, he just seems less and less certain on the ball. And yeah, I don't know. He's just, I just, I'm not really convinced. I guess with how he's been playing. Um, was it the passes straight to Roma players that made you think that, Chucks? That was uh, part of it. <laughs> I'm definitely part of it. <laughs> A large part of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does it is it still justified for him to have a starting or starting? Um, yeah, starting position in the lineup. I mean, I, I'm not as convinced that the answer is yes anymore to that question. Um, Artur is fit and um, well, COVID-free apparently now as well. So I don't know. I mean, why not give him some kind of chance to, um, yeah, to redeem himself again? I know that a lot of people, uh, you know, view him quite negatively, but yeah, why not? Um, because like I said, based on, mostly based on the Roma game, but also a little bit on the Napoli game, just not quite as convinced with him uh, anymore as I was in the past. Um, and then kind of connected to that point, so kind of the other side of the coin here, is that I've been, I guess in the opposite direction, I've been very much convinced and very pleasantly surprised by how uh, Weston McKenney has been playing. Again, in just kind of in this week, particularly the Roma game, I thought he was very impressive against Roma. But yeah, just in general, I think he's just continuing an upward performances, uh, which is great to see. And particularly, I think, in the Roma game, I thought it was very interesting. Before Chiesa went off, um, he seemed to be playing on the right, and then Dybala was kind of drifting to the right, and then, like, because, you know, he starts on the right and then comes inside onto his left foot, kind of diagonally uh, coming inside. And, yeah, I thought him and Dybala had a, you know, pretty nice partnership there going on. I, I think off the ball, Dybala was dropping deep, and then McKenny was kind of filling that space 
uh, for Dybala that he, you know, occupied in the in the forward line. So kind of a diagonal run there. And, and I thought it was just a very, you know, interesting tactical thing there. I don't know if it was just for this game or not, but, you know, I noticed Dybala was dropping deeper than usual and then McKenney was filling up that spot in the front line. So I thought that was, you know, kind of, kind of interesting. I thought it, you know, looked pretty good, um, even though the performance in the first half was uh, pretty poor. Um, but yeah, those, uh, those were kind of my takeaways, and uh, I thought it was uh, something new, uh, something good there. Good and bad. What about you, Samuel? Mine is actually, and, and I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this, because uh, of all the crap that I've been giving him for much of the last two seasons. But when it comes to this midfield, we might be looking at a situation where Artur is, is going to be a must-start. Based on the 20 minutes that we saw in this game, it, it was really a... It was very, very clear when Artur came in and he started essentially acting as the regista and Manuel Locatelli pushed forward a little bit and suddenly Juventus became way, way more dangerous. Obviously, Locatelli was up there for the to, to score the second goal. And he just he generally, you know, he could hover around the top of the box a little more and and use his the creative abilities that he does have in uh in an area of the field where it would more directly lead to threatening situations so i think you know i i've been i've i've hated on him for a long time i it still infuriates me when he just makes lateral passes all the time but if he's going to hold that spot in the midfield as the regista and if 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 him being there and locatelli being further up is going to is going to be something that makes a difference, then that has to be tried on a, on a larger scale to see what we can, what we can come up with. Because if, if Locatelli can orchestrate from a little bit further up the pitch and make, you know, make a lot more shots for the strikers, I think that we could see not, not a turnaround in the attacking fortunes because there's still just a lot of discombobulation up there, but certainly you might end up seeing more goals just by sheer volume of chances. Definitely. And I think obviously the attack scoring four goals after struggling so mightily, obviously a few of those goals came from players who are not technically forwards, but that's obviously a big takeaway. And honestly, with the game that we watch, there were probably about 25 different directions in which we could go with (laughs) the takeaway from that, just because of how, insane it was and i obviously that's where we're going to start this knowing how juventus trailed three to one saw arguably their best player go down injured and as we record we don't know necessarily the extent of said injury for federico chiesa but it was about as wild of a game as we've seen and i referenced juve's win over napoli a couple of years ago when saudi first faced napoli uh, or I should say face Napoli for the first time since becoming the Juventus manager as one of those kind of games. And obviously it was the same scoreline, but yeah, I, I really, as I was writing my post game thread today, I really had no idea where to go with it just because there were so many ways to go with it. And uh, I will turn it over to Sam because he has, he can probably say something a little bit more coherent than I can because for, for being on as short sleep as I am right now, this was definitely a game that got your adrenaline going. This game had everything. Comebacks, red cards, Giorgio Chiellini bleeding, 
Mattia DeShilio scoring a goal. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it I was I was sitting watching this game, taking notes and formulating in my head the eulogy for the season. And perhaps the next couple seasons beyond that, because here I was thinking there is no chance of Champions League football next year with this result at about the hour mark. A quick question question for you, Sam. Were you watching with baby nearby? Because as I mentioned Uh, in my thread, there was a cat nearby me and she went absolutely running uh, as I reacted. Surprisingly, baby was sleeping nearby as was my wife they were sleeping on the couch together and i i was able to not make any noise until Deshilio scored okay i i've until Deshilio scored and when Deshilio scored i let out a i let out a a, a very um, a very loud what and somehow did not wake either of them up um how <laughs> uh, i i i've well i've had i've had almost 16 weeks to train myself on this now. And in fact, uh, I, I actually, in the first Roma game, when they gave the pedal, that penalty, I actually scared him when I, when I like yelled, when I yelled at my screen. So uh, he's learned and now. So I've, so I've, yeah. So he's like, so, so I've, 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 I've made a, a concerted effort not to do that again. In a couple of years, he'll be yelling and screaming just along with me. But yeah, I, it was this, this was the end i thought and then all of a sudden the old uve came out like you know the uve where you know every t- you know you know so many times during the streak juventus would go down a goal and you'd hear every commentator being like the the, the you never count them out because there's the, you know the strong the juventus mentality the never say die and 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 funnily enough you know like and and Dre Cordero was one of the people because when he was his you know a significant amount of that uh, of the of the streak he was the primary Serie A guy at B in so Dre Cordero who was doing the the game from uh, from for CBS you know he's he was one of those people that would say that all the time neither him nor Matteo Benetti said anything like that <laughs> after the after those two goals after the half and and then. The, the substitutions made a huge difference and it's impossible to say whether or not it, that was Landucci on the touchline who came up with that himself, or if somebody had a cell phone link to, to Allegri in the stands going, I mean, I think we're all pretty naive if we don't think that a suspended coach does that, <laughs> but it, it really did change. Like I said before, you know, with Artur putting Artur a little further forward or putting Artur in and, and moving Locatelli a little further forward, um, and Morata just became a lot more of a was a lot more of a threat with the ball than Moise Kane was. Although I think that also had to do really with with the the tactical switch of Locatelli because Kane um, Kane whenever he t- most of the time he touched the ball he was trying to hold it up to wait for people to come up. He never really got he was never fed the ball in any sort of dangerous situation. Um, he was doing his best, but he just he had no service in the game. So I'd, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was a, a a complete failure in this game because you know sometimes a striker just doesn't have anything to work with. But when you put Morata in there in conjunction with that move of the midfield, all of a sudden there we were just breaking Roma down. And this is and and Roma have have been susceptible to this before in the past where you know they're they're 
they're playing pretty well. They suffer one setback and they start and you know they start collapsing. And and the minute that Locatelli scored, it looked like they were kind of dragging. And then when when the VAR call came, you could just I think you could just see they were they were they were out on their feet and had you know maybe they would have gotten gotten it back if if Pellegrini had hit that penalty kick after Delict with the what's up with what's up with Delict in the arms today. Like, yeah, speak for your man, got, Jux. Yeah, Jux. I mean, the second one was harsh. I thought it was, I mean, very close distance, I thought. And, uh, no, he, he was, he, it was hanging. It was, it was way off. It was way uh, out. I mean, the first one, the first one was, and they were both yellow cards were, were for hands, I think, because the, he was the call on the Pellegrini kick. A lot of people were upset about that, but I think it was because he handled the ball after he had slid, correct? Am I, am I wrong when you I You mean on that? the first yellow card? On the first yellow card. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I was, thought, that's what he, I thought it was. Yeah, he'd made the tackle and then sort of like lost. It was actually a really good recovery and a really good tackle, but then he like missed the ball kind of standing up. And then I think it was uh, Gian, Afena Gian that got the ball then passed him and then he was like, all right, let me pull a key on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he had he also had the one that deflected off his, his boot that well, yeah, well, that, well, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. That, and yeah, I remember the, the referee even made the gesture like, you know, went yeah. off, like, and, you know. Yeah, it went off his foot. Yeah, but but that's, yeah, I thought we were, I thought we were done with that with him. But yeah, it, it's overall, just to finish up, this was, this is the kind of win that can turn a season around if they take it and run with it. Now, obviously, it also might be a Pyrrhic victory if we are looking at, we're at stuff tomorrow and seeing that Federico Chiesa is not going to be playing again until September. But if, you know, if it's not, I've heard two options. There are two kind of speculations going around with Chiesa. One is a, is an ACL, which is obviously he's done for the year. The other is a meniscus, which would put him back around the mid to late March or, or beginning of April. But that's one way or the other. That's a significant chunk of time. So it, you know, but if Juventus can take this and and take the mentality of this game and apply it to the rest of the year, then there's a chance that they can really turn it into, you know, make the second half of this season their own and set themselves up for later. But they've got to do that. And they've got to start on Wednesday against Inter. Yeah, I thought... Look, this team had just shown a complete inability to claw back into games. It's just who they had been up until now. And it was a legit shock to see them actually for once not only make a tactical change with what Sam was saying with bringing Arthur in and kind of letting Locatelli go a little bit more, but just actually finding those chances and finding that finishing that had been missing for so long because... That that Locatelli goal, we've seen uh, Alvaro Morata, we've seen Moiskin have, you know, chances that are, you know, solid headers and they were missing them. That, you know, the, the Matia de Siglia goal to, to take the lead, they have generated those chances. They, just, they just were not burying them. And, and for this one time, they were clinical. Every single chance that they got in that second half, they converted and they turned it on. And it was very, very refreshing to see. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about the, the fabled turnaround game, I don't know. We've been saying this team has a turnaround game in them for like two years now. 
I remember last year when they beat AC Milan at in Milan and, and we were like, yes, this is it. This is a turnaround game. Like this is, this is from here on now, like we're winning. And it was just like a flash in the pan. They've had performances like that. We said the same thing after the Chelsea game in the Champions League. Oh, this is it. Like they found something. They, they have to take this and run and they haven't done it. And, you know, I, I, I remained bullish on my, on my take early that, earlier this year that, you know, this team can beat absolutely anyone. I think when they're on, if they're playing well, if they're playing to the top of their abilities, to the top of their capacities, I think they can beat absolutely anyone. And I think they turn it on for 30 minutes on, on Sunday. And it was proved that they can beat and play with anyone, but I think they can also lose against anybody. And we saw that in the first half. It was a fairly even match, but, but you know, we saw that, that they were not blowing the doors out of anyone. We saw that against Napoli. It was, a, you know, very much same old, same old performance from them. So it was very exciting to see. It was a, it was a great game to, to, to see them kind of wake up and, and realize that their season was very much on the line and they needed to do something. It was especially exciting to see them do it one man down for like 10, 15 minutes. And really, Roma, outside of one shot, they didn't really have a bunch of chances. I, I think they closed down the game very maturely, which was something that, that they were struggling with it also. But but in general, I'm still, I, I still want to see this more. I still want to see this in a more consistent form, other than, you know, just being excited about this one game, which was a good game. It was very fun. I need to see it more often, more consistently for me to be able to say, okay, this is it. This is what we needed moving forward because we've been here before. And, and until we see that they can, that they can do this in a consistent manner, I, I think it's just flashes in the pan, good moments, which don't get me wrong. I'm happy it happens. It's just for the future. I'd rather not, you know, not like speculate because we've been here before, but as far as this Sunday, very good game, very happy. I think that they played really well and, you know, Hopefully they, they can do it moving forward. I'm skeptical, but hopefully. Yeah, and, and just to quickly add on to uh, both Sam and Sergio's thoughts, um, I actually thought definitely in the first half we were really quite poor, <laughs> especially from the start up till I would say the equalizer. So yeah, I mean like 20, 25, first 20, 25 minutes or so. Yeah, I thought we were really poor. I forget who said it in the comments, but I mean, we were making Roma look really, really good <laughs> in the first half. Um, I mean, things stabilized a little bit um, after, you know, towards the end of the first half, I think. But yeah, just in general in the first half, you know, I thought we were relatively poor with some spikes and being <laughs> particularly bad in the beginning, but then being like stabilizing it a little bit um, towards the end of the first half. And then actually somewhat counterintuitively thought in the second half, Obviously, I mean, from, you know, the 70th minute onwards, we were very good and just, you know, all those goals came coming in. But actually, I thought we were unlucky to, you know, concede that one deflected goal and the free kick because I thought, I mean, then, you know, at that point, I thought, okay, we're kind of all right and just stabilizing things. But yeah, I mean, a truly excellent free kick by uh, Pellegrini and uh, yeah, an unlucky deflected goal. But uh, yeah, so it, it really was like the goals kind of came in. I, I don't want to say against the run of play, but kind of unexpected moments, you know, uh, of the game. But, well, at the end of the day, we won. So um, I'm just some guy on the internet. It's becoming your go-to line, isn't it, Chuck? It's a really great line. Honestly, I uh, <laughs> the, line that he, the line that he stole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a tribute. The person that, who, to his right on the screen. 
uh, no, no, it's like it's like when you're writing your thesis, you just uh, attribute it and then add a source in the bibliography. And then, you know, there you go. <laughs> Are you trying to make me do even more work with the bibliography after this? I mean, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. I mean, you gotta get you gotta get the people what they want, you know. Well, I and to make I, Sergio feel better. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I, I I can give you the use of the phrase uh, like a patent. You know how you can just give it to someone, no charge okay. for your you license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no trademark, Sergio. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, no, I, I don't need any sort of royalties or anything. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Matters resolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny you bring up just kind of how Juve were making Roma look relatively or pretty good. Since I was th- a little bit through the first half, I decided to shoot our buddy Brand from Chiesa di Totti. Uh, a text like hey is this the best Roma you've seen in a while and he's like yeah so I mean it was it was a combination of Juventus really I mean they were they were at times stretched defensively I, I think it's safe to say and obviously Roma were a big reason why because I mean you look at what Tammy Abraham was able to do even outside of the goal he was all over the place uh, obviously Pellegrini's only continued his his strong season and just you know, I, I felt like Juve were really struggling with the pace that Roma had up front. And then what I, I don't know what happened after, you know, 55, 60 minutes, but suddenly something clicked. And, you know, it, I, I think we can all agree, you know, that's that kind of that fighting spirit that that Grinta is something we haven't seen a lot these last few years. And to finally see it, what a, what a perfect time to, to kind of roll back the years a little bit, obviously with a lot of new names, but to, to show something that the old Juve from title winning seasons of the decade prior have, have done before. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've been sort of critical or not critical, but you know, skeptical of, of this whole, Oh, you know, Lo Stilo Juve and, you know, the green and all of that, that we sometimes, tend to to lionize a little bit especially just in, in the modern football is like every big team is, is, is an organization like i mean i i just I, i'm a little bit skeptical of, of that whole mystique especially in modern football but it it was refreshing to see them just have that sense of urgency have that that ability to come back that ability to be jazz yes, i i agree that they got flustered in the first half i think they got overrun in the first half despite the fluky nature of, of Roma's second goal. And, and I mean, that, that was just a, a absolutely perfect free kick by, by Pellegrini. You, nothing you can do there. Uh, I, I don't think the 3-1 scoreline at that point was was unjust or was fluky. I mean, I, I think they were the better team. I, I think that they were by far the better team. And Juventus just hadn't shown an ability to bounce back from that, to bounce back from you know, going not only down on the scoreboard, but just being outplayed. They really hadn't shown an ability to come back from that all season long. And this was the first time that you could tell that that they reacted and they reacted in a positive manner. And to be able to come all the way back was was really, really impressive. I, I think that was very much like Danny was saying, reminiscing of those old Juve teams, of the early Max Allegri era teams, which you definitely could never say they were that like they were going to get, you know, a search for that result until the last minute. And I think this was the first time that, that we saw something like that in this season, in this, you know, Max Allegri 2.0 era. 
era. So, so it's really, I mean, just, you know, forget about the future, whether or not they can hold it just for today. It was really, really fun to see them kind of turn back the clock a little bit. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and it's also to to jump on kind of uh, on the back of that comment. I I agree with the, in the sense that. You know, I'm not sitting here like now after the 4-3 win and thinking, wow, that win really makes me think that we're going to go on like an upward, like a winning run. Like now, like now that game convinced me we're going to win, you know. Why not? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's in my nature to not be uh, particularly optimistic. You are staying on (laughs) brand, Mr. Skeptical. (laughs) Although I did uh, actually listen to the podcast today about that, about the psychology of optimism and pessimism. Very interesting. I know it's kind of taboo to recommend other podcasts on a podcast, but uh, highly recommend the Freakonomics uh, podcast series. Yeah, no, you know, this doesn't give, instill me the sense of like, wow, now we're going to like go on this winning run. Uh, because again, uh, you know, I look back at the Napoli game as well, which I mean, granted, I only caught half of it, but uh, even that performance wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it was against a depleted Napoli side that had like what three it's subs. Really or bad is the word you're looking for. Yeah. It was really, really yeah. bad. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, and yeah, and again, then this game was, I mean, those, you know, was bad and then kind of good and bad. And kind of, I mean, it was just all over the place. So in some strange way, I don't actually feel like we learned a lot from this game, uh, from the Roma game, which isn't, uh, well, you know, you like to learn things. You like, you like to see some kind of new insights from, yeah, from each game. Uh, besides the McKenny and Dybala and Bentancor thing that I mentioned. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just sit here not feeling like I've learned anything particularly new about this team. One thing that I think we have learned is that if there were any plans to sell Dayan Kulusevsky this winter, I think they're probably off right yes. now, at least until yes. tomorrow when we find out what's going on. Yes, the medical report is definitely going to determine whether or not Dayan Kulusevsky is a Juventus player the rest of this season and maybe next season. Who knows? Yeah, because that's, I mean, let's let's be real about it. As as much as we're hoping it's it's minor, it's sure as hell didn't look like it. And I, it's hard to it's hard to tell. You know, I'm trying to figure out whether or not it was that that the the knee happened independently of that tackle by Smalling, or if it happened during that tackle and then he should never have even gone back out onto the pitch. Because at the same time, you know, the Olympico, the Olympico's turf is terrible. It's eaten people over the years. Yeah. Zaniolo has, you know, it's happened to Zaniolo twice. It happened to Meridemiral two year, two seasons ago for us. Um, it's happened to it's, a lot of other Roma players as well. Yeah. It's not, it's not great turf. It's really bad turf. 
And so, you know, it, it's hard to tell whether or not that was, like I said, that if, if the tackle was in, if the tackle was what did it, and then he just kind of finished it with that cut, then that's a massive indictment on the, the pitch side physios for Juventus who let him get back into the game in the first place. If it was different and, and he just got eaten by the, by the Olympico turf monster, that's an entirely different, uh, that's an entirely different scenario. Although it doesn't really, is it me or is it, does it only happen to Roma and not Lazio? I don't remember Lazio. Yeah. It's definitely more Roma, but it, it also feels like not only does it happen to Roma, but it happens to teams that play against Roma and not necessarily Lazio. So maybe as to reference Brent again, maybe it's just Roma and Roma opponent happens. I don't know. Yeah. Roma happens. Yeah. I was thinking of Brent today because if there was ever a Roma happens day for for them, this was probably it. (laughs) All right. Well, before we kind of transition into a little bit more talk about Chiesa and maybe the implications of that, I want to get, one of the Twitter questions we have going here before we actually officially bring in the Twitter questions that it's from at Expendion. Who is your man of the match from the Roma game between Locatelli, Tech, Morata, Deciglio, and others? Who should it be? And this is a good one because there are a whole lot of them. Although, like we said, when it was 3-1, there was probably only one or two of them. Uh, that's tricky, especially just because it was such a different game. But I... Uh, you know, spoiler because this is this is actually my MVP for for the piece that's coming out tomorrow. But I, I think it's it's Locatelli. I think he was one of the few guys that were performing well in that first half where Juve seemed kind of out of sorts. And and second, once the comeback started, number one, he gets the first goal. But I, I think he was key in kind of not only managing, and it's going to sound weird, but just managing the game once they actually got on got out front i think it was very very impressive the fact that with one man down uh, with roma trying to to get that goal to to even the score they were never really you know all over them as we as you usually see in those situations right with one team just going all out to get that goal especially if the defending team has one man is one sorry is one man down it, usually you you get one team all over the other one and I, it just didn't happen roma never really threatened in that way and i think it has a lot to do with how the midfield was managed by both locatelli and arthur i think it was very very impressive and you know with all the guys being out so key guys could be out for for a long time with dibala not really being able to stay on the field for as long as we would like Locatelli kind of he has become a very key guy very early on in his Juve career and you know outside of a few games here and there I, I think he has definitely I mean he has he's he's taking up that mantle I don't think he has shrinked up to that responsibility and and this was another this was a game that was more proof of it so so yeah just overall because of it the whole game impact that he had I think it's Manuel Locatelli for me I'm gonna go with Walsh it, not just for the penalty save, but also that that moment in stoppage time where Abraham had broken out into the box and, and into the channel, and he it, it, it kind of looked like it was almost covered. But I, I was my heart hit my heart hit my my pelvis when I saw Tech running out of his box to go after that ball, and the challenge he made 
was so inch perfect just to kind of reach around and punch the ball away from Abraham. And every person in that stadium that was remotely connected with Roma screamed at Davide Massa. And he just said no, because it was such a perfect challenge. You know, if he gets that wrong, either Abraham rounds him and scores easily, or it's another penalty kick. And this time you probably don't get so lucky. So that's those two moments, keeping that, that game alive, the, the, the lead alive for me. I think that that kind of goes over and above everybody else that, you know, despite the, 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 the numerous and big contributions up at the, in the outfield positions, I, I think the way Walsh truly was the last line of defense and, and did it so damn well. I think he's, he's convert. I, I believe he's saved. I, I saw this number. He's saved 29.1% of his total penalties that he has saved. That, is, that he has faced not <laughs> which is an insane number and i and i and i guarantee you if you if you were to at least for juventus if the number of times that he hasn't saved them but he's gone the right way and just, and it's just been too good a kick is another you, you know that that uh, that number is probably way way higher than that he's really good at these and he managed to to keep this you know, to keep this win. So for me, it's, it's him. All right. Edward, a whole lot of options for you. Oh, indeed. I got a, yeah, whole bunch of options actually. Um, but yeah, a goalkeeper, a midfielder, and um, I'm going to throw out a striker. Mattia De Ciglio. There we go. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, that was a striker's <laughs> finish. Uh, indeed, as they said. No, I'm going to go for uh, Morata, uh, Alvaro Morata. I mean, he only played for about, uh, was it half an hour or so? But um, I think just the impact, uh, you know, Sergio talked about impact of Locatelli. Uh, the impact that Morata made compared to, and this is really the key, compared to uh, Moise Keen was, I think, just dramatically different. And, you know, again, I'm again repeating points from last week and the week before that, you know, Keen really has, I mean, he has the huge opportunity to to make the center forward position his. I think Allegri is giving opportunities, honestly. And, I mean, Morata is hot, cold, you know, he's, hot today but i mean you know next week we know he could just be kind of a dud again but i thought yeah morata just the impact he made of course the assist is basically two assists i mean with the equalizer was sort of an assist i mean get he got the shot in and then the rebound scored by kulisevsky so yeah i mean i thought he was just really excellent and just in making a difference and just like really getting the striker well him in this case but just our forward position to really participate in the game was uh, just so impactful. And, you know, maybe those tired legs from the Roma defenders. I mean, I don't know, maybe, but um, I think just his impact on the game was just, uh, yeah, just really, really uh, significant. And again, compared to uh, Moise Keane. Certainly to, it certainly shows that regardless of, of all of the Barcelona talk, Morata is going to put his head down and play while he is in a Juventus shirt. He's not going to let all this stuff, you know, he's not going to sit and salt, sit around and sulk and not play and, or, or, you know, half asset when he is on the field, he's going to do his, he's going to do his work for the shirt while he's, while he's wearing it. Unrelated. But if, if I, if I may just get on my soapbox a little bit, Go for I it. know people are, are like enamored with Matteo De Silvio because he had a goal and he played well for like 15 minutes do not 
do we've been through this this is like a bad relationship where like one partner does one little good thing for you every six months and you're like no he's changed this time i'm like sure of it it's 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 juventus fans worst toxic relationship the one we have with matthias de sigli where every time is like no no this is the time when he finally like puts it all together it's like he's gonna have another two good games and people are gonna want to renew him and it's just just let it go let it go it's good it was fun it was a good goal good stuff Matteo de Siglio do not even like it's it's going to start I already know people are going to be saying oh but he's so flexible like he can play wherever and it's like it it doesn't matter I do not want to see Matteo de Siglio in Juventus for like I know he still has a contract the moment that contract runs out I need him out of the club no matter how many miraculous goals he makes like I'm 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 done with Matteo De Siglio and there that that was my take so does that mean that you're leaning more Luca Pellegrini than Matteo De Siglio to say be the Alexandro replacement down the road or Next yes, week. B- very much so. Very much so. Especially because Luca <laughs> Pellegrini was my one good take. Was my one like, why are we not playing this guy more? And it turns out he's good. So I, I, I will always stand for, for the guys that made me look semi-competent. Well, before we get to Twitter questions, and I must say there is one about a certain De Ciglio and and Luca Pellegrini. As we touched on, the Chiesa injury obviously changes uh, a few things, be it our hopes for Juventus this season or just what Max Allegri might do tactically. So we'll go from the tactical standpoint, assuming that it is at least a few weeks at minimum that Chiesa is out. Where does, where should, do we think, since obviously we're not in Max's mind, maybe that's a good thing. Where should Max go with this, knowing that today he used kind of the, a 4-3-3-ish with Dybala more free roaming than, kind of fixed on one wing or playing in the center. And as, as Sam mentioned, you know, does this create an opportunity for Dejan Kulusevsky or does it kind of remain the Federico Bernardeschi show when uh, Chiesa was out in December? Bernardeschi is definitely going to be t- getting time. It, it really does depend. You know, it, it depends on where on a given day Max Allegri decides to put Juan Cuadrado. If he decides to put Juan Cuadrado right back, then all of a sudden you have two spots on that wing, and um, and that makes it a lot. That gives you a lot more options. That gives you the ability to say put Moise Kane out on that left side again, where you know we were talking about that at the at the end of December, where he he played out there kind of the way he he did at PSG, and it was a little and you know he and he was looking a lot better than when he was playing as a center forward, and that might be his you know, about his better spot. It could, like you said, open up a spot where Bernadeschi plays on the left and Kulusevsky on the right. Then, you know, when Danilo gets back, Danilo, if Danilo is playing right back, then you've got Juan up there because you're not dropping Juan. And it, it, it changes a lot of that. That changes a lot of things. I personally thought that this, that this formation was a little bit more of like a hybridized four, two, three, one with, with McKenney on, one wing and Dybala behind in behind Kane that kind of turned into a 4-4-2 in defense. It was one of those weird max formations that uh, that changed with the possession. But it does put a lot of pressure on on those wingers now. You know, Bernadeschi is going to have to to pull out a lot even more of the form that he's that we're already seeing out of him. 
And Kulusevsky is really because you know Kulusevsky he scored the goal, but uh, and I know I saw it on on Sergio's Twitter at least once. There were also a lot of attacks that that went to him to die. There was at least one where he wasn't responsible for it because there was that one at the end of the first half where McKenney really should have taken the shot himself instead of trying to pass it. But a lot of the other ones were just heavy touches by Kulusevsky, not getting the ball in good spots. You know. Um, he, he did play very well towards the end. He got the ball into the corner flag a couple of times, wasted a couple of seconds in stoppage time. But despite the goal, it was not a particularly fantastic overall game from Kulusevsky. But like you said, you know, the, you have to assume Chiesa is going to miss at least the rest of this month based on the, the, the images that we're seeing of him. So Kulusevsky will be staying at this rate because I, it's a lot like when, uh, Rugani when he when Chiellini busted his knee he he was gonna you know he was on his way out but they need they needed bodies at that point once once Chiellini got hurt it really all depends on what Allegri's formation will be and whether and where he decides to play one Quadrado on a given day. Yeah, I completely echo the the Quadrado point uh that's i mean that was the point i was going to make actually too because yeah ideally in a i guess in any kind of formation uh you want to have one backup player per position so you know let's just say two wingers just in general they want to have four wingers you want to you know have four wingers on the roster so bernadeski kulusevski chiesa and yeah i mean cuadrado then depending on indeed what we do with the fullback position uh, which is why DeShilio kind of, you know, coming full circle here. That's why DeShilio is so important in this equation as well, because if he suddenly, you know, keeps actually playing well, much to uh, Sergio's uh, chagrin, then then he could feasibly play right back. Him and Danilo could cover the right back positions. Uh, Sandro and Pellegrini cover the left back positions. Then you can push Cuadrado up um, to the midfield position. Although, honestly, personally, Based on the last few years, I actually rather have Cuadrado play right back. I find him more useful to, to the team as a more offensive right back than a more defensive winger, if that makes sense. Because I think, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but then what? Do you, but but you can also the last two years you can't justify having Danilo on the bench when he's healthy. Yeah, 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 and that's why. Like, yeah, I mean. That's why, I mean, I guess it depends on uh, Max on what he wants to do in terms of the fullback position. Plus, depending on what uh, happens with DeShilio, you know, if DeShilio ends up being just, you know, a wash, then, yeah, I mean, then you have Danilo definitely at right back, but then you don't really have a backup for him. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to depend on that. Yeah, I think just kind of what happens in the winger position really is going to depend mostly on where we see Cuadrado you know, right back slash right midfield or, or sorry, and what happens with the Shilio. I think those are two kind of crucial variables. So uh, yeah, who knows? I cannot see the future, but I like to make my predictions after events. Yes, you you and your technicalities were, you, you actually want to see what happens first. Well, I like to be a bit of a wordsmith. <laughs> wordsmith. You just had to use a British accent, didn't you? I mean, you gotta you gotta impress people somehow. <laughs> Clearly it's not with my looks, but given that it's an audio uh, format, so... <laughs> Alrighty here, we'll wrap things up with a couple of Twitter questions. First one from our old friend at Bachi Sabi. Do we permanently go to a Locatelli and Arthur in the midfield? And 
to follow that one up from at Delope 95 do you want to see more of Locatelli and Arthur as a double pivot from now on? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing with Arthur and, and it's, you know, all like uh, guys like Mattia De Siglio or Daniele Rugani, who we know by now that they are who they are. Arthur has shown us so little between injuries, between whatever, that he still could be anything. And, and I remember uh, early in the, in the second half of the Andrea Pirlo season, where Juventus was playing sort of okay, was having some of their best games, was with Arthur in that central midfielder position, kind of like like Sam was saying as, as a regista a little bit. And and he the team was looking good with Draviot and Bentancourt flanking him. I think those were the best moments of the Andrea Pirlo era. And now he, you know, he takes a similar position now, just instead of of, of having those guys flanking him, it's it's Manuel Locatelli. And, the team looks pretty decent again. I, you know, obviously you don't know what's going on day in and day out in training. You don't like, obviously those things we're not super privy to, but from what we've seen, he has shown to be, you know, here and there, he has shown flashes that might lead you to believe that he can still be a capable player, whether or not he can actually, you know, continue to perform that like that, whether or not he actually manages to keep that up throughout you know an extended period of time it's still it's still to be seen because either due to injuries or to whatever we just haven't seen that from him in his two years as a juve player so i'm completely not opposed to the idea i think we we saw something pretty decent today i especially with the crunch of of players and games and everything that's coming along I definitely would not be opposed to just trying it, to just giving it a shot and see how it how it goes. Because, because you don't have a set midfield, because you don't have that you know top tier level players to just go into every game and say, these are my guys, you have the freedom to just experiment, to try something. And if an Arthur, you know, Locatelli, Rabiot or McKinney midfield kind of works, then sure, give it a shot. I'm, I'm completely not opposed to it. I think it could work. But again, we need to see it from Arthur for more than, you know, 20 minutes at a time. All right. Next question here from another old friend of ours, David Desberg at the True ROAC. We always hear the term, quote, center of the project thrown around. Ex-Juventini want Dybala to be the center of the project. But what the hell is the project exactly? Is this formation one we keep? Do we play Loka and Arthur together? What is the vision, Sam Lepresti? It's right in your wheelhouse. Hell if I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that um, is why we asked you. That's, that's the, I, I think we're still finding it out. It's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, and, and uh, appropriately enough, it was written by an Italian. It's a little, it reminds me a little bit of Luigi Pirandello's Six Characters in Search of an Author. That's that go, going back to my acting profession. Because we, we don't know what the plan really is because i think and i i mentioned this last week until the very end of august this year andrea agnelli's plan was ronaldo 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 and ronaldo and and the hope that he magically turned the team into into something big both on and off the field and now that you know and ever and you know having to had to sell him in three, you know, in basically three days at the end of this transfer window, 
that's not enough time for anybody to come up with with that idea. I think that they were, you know, they maybe would have uh, started talking about it around this time if had Ronaldo stayed. But I don't think we're going to really know exactly what the the true plan and project is until we hit the summer and we start seeing, you know, what we might get from this current front office of of Maurizio Riva Bene and and Federico Cherubini, because, you know, Paratici certainly didn't work. And we'll have to see if they have a, a better a better inclination and a better plan. Because if they don't, then this is going to take a while. Or if Agnelli is still kind of suffocating them with bad ideas, that's also that could also mean that this could take a while. But I don't think we're really going to see a, a, def, a, a definite idea of what they think we're going to be doing until the summer. And for the rest of this season, we just kind of have to make do with what we've got. All right, Chuck's last question for you from at Diego R. Naranjo. After DeShigilio's performance today and Luca Pellegrini's good games throughout the season, is it time to bid farewell to Alexandro? Uh, no, 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 I don't think that's uh, quite the case uh, just yet. Like, like Sergio said, you know, let's uh, let's not be deceived by uh, just kind of one flash in the pan or one or two flashes in the pan from uh, Dechilio. You know, tempting as it may, uh, no, I don't think we should do that. Which, uh, you know, I think I think if Dechilio shows the kind of consistency that Bernadeschi has shown recently, which you know has been very encouraging, then okay, maybe. But uh, I mean, I think it's way too early to tell uh, on Dechilio. Uh, no, let, let's keep Sandro. Although, I mean, he is, yeah, steadily on the decline. I think we can see that he has maybe, I don't know, yeah, two good seasons and left in him or so. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, yeah, I, he, he, Sandro himself, I mean, he's had like kind of a few months of decline and he shows, okay, he's kind of back again and he, kind of goes back down again. I don't know. I personally think he's got, yeah, maybe two to three good seasons left in him. And then, yeah, I mean, kind of start, basically we should start succession planning, but um, no, I don't think, I don't think it's the end of the sun, Alexander at all. Yeah. I think he's still got something to contribute to the team. Well, I'll push back a little bit. What defines good season? Cause he's certainly not having a good season this year. Oh gosh. What define goods? Um, man, that's a great question. I think, you know, for me, I guess I'm more old school in the sense that uh, with a fullback first or, well, defender in general, but especially these days with fullbacks, uh, first and foremost, I want a fullback to defend. Um, you know, I think there's this just this obsession these days with fullbacks who can give assists and give goals and, and can dribble. You know, this whole thing with uh, Alexander, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool, Theo Hernandez at uh, Milan. I mean, great players, obviously. Joao Cancelo. Yeah, Joao Cancelo. <laughs> yeah, that's a good shout as well. Yeah, there's just this obsession with, like, hi- not just attacking, but hyper, I mean, borderline wingers as fullbacks. So to me, I would say, first and foremost, a good season or just good performances would just Sandro being, would Define uh, would be Sandro being just defensively um, solid above all which, all else, which well, make, which that's makes been a me, problem. <laughs> yeah, and problem. that is again, and, yeah, and, and it makes and that makes me also question both of you guys really when uh, when it comes to your evaluations of Dechilio because if there is one thing that Dechilio is, it is that he is consistently defensively at the very least solid. There were a couple of seasons back with Alleg, you know, when he first arrived when Allegri was around where. 
where I was legitimately calling him a fullback version of Barzali. Like he was just not putting a foot wrong on defense. You know, he's not, he's not exciting going forward, but he is a solid defensive fullback. And if you're going to make that your main criteria, DeShilio really, he he is that it's just that he gets, you know, he gets hurt a lot and doesn't often run it together very much. But I, I, I do think that, you know, and yes, DeShilio has to show us more of what he's done in these last couple of games that he's played on a consistent basis. But if you're, if that's what you're looking for out of a fullback, DeShilio is that. So you're going to have to, you know, you know, it, it, if he starts performing, then you, that might actually have to be a discussion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and again, I mean, to Sergio's point again, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to jump in there, but yeah, I, I think, Based on the past, I, I kind of defended DeShilio based on that point in the past, like saying, okay, look, he's not flashy, but hey, I mean, you know, he's solid. He gets the job done defensively. Um, in the past, that that really has been the point why I've defended him. And yeah, recently, I mean, okay, he's been hurt so much that it's kind of hard to say. I mean, he hasn't really had a consistent run of games to be able to judge much uh, on that. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess recently, I mean, recently being the last I guess year or so he hasn't been that way I guess but again it's hard to say because he hasn't he's played so sporadically uh, but yeah I mean you know going by that by that argument indeed I mean if somehow the Shilio indeed does end up being I guess the Shilio at his peak which was just defensively extremely solid and once in a while put in a good cross <laughs> or something if that happens to be the case yeah then I mean I guess technically you know I would say I would say keep him as a backup fullback, you know, because again, I mean, due to age, I don't think you want to, you know, base your future on DeShilio, but keep him as a backup. Yeah, that I, I, best case scenario, that that would be the case. You're doing it. You're all doing it. I, I just specifically <laughs> told you 15 minutes ago how we should not do this. And you're doing it because it, 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 here's the thing. The best thing anyone can say about the Shigler is every time is like, well, he's fine. You know how many players are fine? A lot. They could get a lot of players who are fine. I mean, like, if, if that's the, the, the best thing we can say about the dude, it's like, oh, he can be fine sometimes. Like, there's a lot of guys that are fine sometimes. Like, I don't know why it's this obsession with him specifically that's like no no the shiglu is the guys like there's a lot of dudes that are average defensively and that sometimes put up a, a cross or two that you could get tomorrow like that's not really and i think that's really the issue and, and that that speaks to another issue with juventus that you look at that roster is like there's so many guys there that are like fine and and it, you know obviously I'm, I'm right here talking about the siglio but i think that's an issue with a lot of players in this squad that are just fine and there's nothing wrong with having okay players in your team but the problem is when you give them that workload of like you're going to be more than fine you, you have to perform at a certain level that, that they're just not going to be able to do so uh, to me alexandro if you want to keep him as a backup i think that's fine he, he's a fine backup he can be decent on a good day but i also think that if you want to part ways with him and try to get someone younger with a little bit more upside who is also fine who's going to pretty much give you the same thing that alexandro or matias de silva is going to give you right now but that has a shot at developing at something more i th- i would much rather do that than just keep guys as as backups or whatever 
just because they're fine. I think that's just, uh, you know, in terms of squad building, in terms of looking for the future, I think that's just a much more sustainable strategy than just deciding, well, he's a backup, so we can just keep that guy and he's average and he's whatever. Because if you get too many of those guys, then eventually, you know, you have too many average players and guess what? You're an average team. And I think that that's been an issue with, with Juventus as of late. And yeah, I'd rather cut cut bait on a guy like Alexandro a little bit too early than, you know, keep him and, and have, you know, a situation where you have a player that, you know, every year that goes on, he, you know, becomes a little bit worse. And, you know, you get a Sami Kedira situation or a Mario Matsukic situation or all, all of those situations that you have an old player doesn't really have a lot of resale value and you just have to keep him. So I'd, I'd rather just sell him and get someone, you know, younger with maybe a little bit more upside than just keeping him for, for the sake of keeping him. I mean, just to kind of go back, go back on that, um, to put a bow on it. I mean, I would only want to keep Deshilio again, you know, given provided certain conditions. One condition is that indeed he plays, I guess, from now until the end of the season, if he plays that much. But from now until the end of the season, really just, I mean, high quality defensive matches, you know, not just kind of like, okay, one great game against uh, Roma and then kind of just wanders around for the rest and then one great game is intern and wanders around you know plus um, i would also want to only keep the chileo while you manage to transition to younger fullbacks so you know while hopefully we then buy younger and kind of the future fullbacks okay keep the chileo there kind of as like a year just to manage to transition get the new guys to kind of you know get used to yeah just the uva environment and just kind of get used to the to the environment and then or just to, to the team rather and then obviously kind of you know get him uh, get him out the door i guess the technical term in kind of the business world is succession planning um you know you always manage yeah i mean it's kind of like yeah in in a business you know you don't have all your kind of retirees i mean ideally if you manage your business well <laughs> ideally you don't have you know all your re- retirees kind of just leave in one year and just kind of all be gone and then all the new guys coming all in the same year ideally you have them you know kind of one at a time like as the young guys come in uh retirees kind of on the way out kind of you know shows them the ropes and then goes out and you know he smooth in that tra- transition that's kind of what i'm thinking about but again i mean it has to be more than just kind of one like good performance um from the Shulia. but I, I i understand your fears um uh, I do understand your, your fears. And yeah, I mean, you don't want to be in this, this per- permanent state of mediocrity and just kind of like keeping guys around just because hopefully, uh, hey, hopefully if reports are right, we're getting rid of Ramsey. So, hey, that's that's kind of, you know, a sign there. Kermit Flail. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. You can send them to us at Juventus Station on the Twitter machine. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook at Black and White and Red All Over. Use that same search tool, Black Ampersand, White Ampersand, Red All Over on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a review, a five-star rating, all that good stuff. So for Sam Lopresti for Chucks and for Mattia DeCiglio's number one fan, Sergio. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And maybe, just maybe, we can talk to you guys next week after Juventus win a trophy. 